see you all here today. Uh, looking forward to our study today. Uh, I had a, a great time studying it all week and, and learning. It's amazing how you can continue to, to learn things as you study passages and as you, as you look at, at uh, different details and, and you pray that God will work in your heart and that he'll challenge you and that he'll change you. Uh, it's prob we're probably going to look at one of the most popular miracles um, that, that Jesus performed today. It's, it's known as the feeding of the 5,000, uh, but it's where we're at as we're following the steps of Christ uh, through the Gospels. Our main text this morning is going to be in Mark chapter 6, and it's quite a few verses we're going to look at this morning, verses 30 through 46. But you can find this, this account in all four Gospels. Uh, we'll, we'll look at the different, I think we're going to look at all four Gospels this morning at different verses and pull out different details. And, and I love how the, the Gospel writers work together and you can get this complete picture and just the way God has worked to, to preserve His, His Word and, and the stories and the way that He worked. Uh, it's so nice uh, to be able to have confidence uh, in, in Him and His Word. And uh, just before I get into the message, singing about trusting in Jesus today and, and the thought of having confidence in God and uh, especially the one phrase, I'm so glad I've learned to trust Him. And uh, how true is that? Like you, you go through something and you, you trust God and you, and you lean on Him to help you get through it. And He's there. And He encourages you and, and He comforts you. And He's there. And then the next thing comes. And He's still there, and we can still trust in Him. And, and we can continue to learn, and we can continue to grow to the, the place where we, we're confident in trusting Him, no matter what comes our way. And, and we, can, we can use those, those stories and the details of things that we've been through, where we've trusted in God, and we can help other people who are going through different things. And maybe they're at that place in their life where they're just learning to trust, or, or they're just starting to, to grasp uh, how God works and how God helps and we can come alongside them and we can say, hey, you know what? I've, I've been through this and God was faithful to me because God is always faithful and God is always trustworthy and it's just such a, such a nice truth to be able to rely on that we can trust in God. Well, today, uh, as I said, we're going to look at the, the story of the feeding of the, the 5,000, which I believe there was much more... Uh, People fed that day than that, but we'll get there, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, but what I, I don't want uh, the power of God that's on display this morning, I don't want that to be overlooked uh, because we know the story. Um, the title of the, the miracle kind of gives it away, the feeding of the 5,000. Right? We, we know a miracle is performed, but don't overlook the power of God that is on display here and the evidence of the fact that Jesus is God um, and that he was sent by God and that, that he can be trustworthy and his message is trustworthy. I believe this account really happened. Um, I believe the details are accurate. Um, I believe we have a God that is all-powerful and was and is capable of doing such a miracle. In thinking of miracles, we've... We've been talking a lot about miracles because that's kind of where we're at in our study. But have you ever wondered what they were for? I know there's lots of theories. A pretty popular one is that Jesus just came to, 
to do good and to be nice and to meet, meet people's physical, physical needs. I know that's a popular thought on miracles, which, yes, his miracles did meet needs, but there was so much more than that. And just a, a quick explanation, Acts 2.22 tells us that these miracles were evidences of the fact that he is God. Acts 2.22, ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves know. So we have his miracles being evidence of, of his deity. John, if you look in John, John chapter 2, verse number 11 this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth His glory. And the disciples believed on Him. So His miracles demonstrated, they manifested, they, they made his, his, glory know, his glory known. John 5, verse 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. So the miracles of Christ also prove that He was from the Father, that God had sent Him. Then you go to John chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Then came the Jews round about Him and said unto Him, How long... Dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So Jesus made claims to who he was. The people rejected that. Jesus did miracles to prove who he was, that, that he was in fact God, and the people still rejected that. The miracles pointed to Jesus as the Son of God, as the true Messiah. So the miracles that we read about in the Bible are so much more than just Jesus being nice to people. They're proof that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Messiah. His miracles help people physically. But it seems like that is as far as the majority of people would be impacted by the miracles. And we'll read, I think it's in a couple weeks maybe in our study, where a bunch of the people walked away from Jesus. The people who had been following him, watching these miracles, just turned and walked away. They didn't believe that he was who he said he was. Jesus is so much more than a miracle worker. He is God. He is the Messiah. He is the Redeemer. He is the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. And people don't seem to care about that. People didn't seem to care about that. They wanted to see and to celebrate the physical benefits that Jesus could offer. And and we see throughout Jesus' ministry, we see... Masses of people with messed up motives. Just following Jesus around to see what He would do. And, and they're going to get to see another miracle in our study today. We'll find out just a little bit later. They walk away. 
when they don't like what he has to say. So this morning, um, I want to look at Luke chapter 9. I know I told you to turn to Mark, but stay in Mark. Don't lose that. Luke chapter 9. And I want to look at verses 10 through 17, just so we can kind of wrap our mind around the whole of this story. And then we'll go back to Mark and we'll break down those verses one at a time. So Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. And the apostles, when they were returned, told him all that they had done. And he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And the people, when they knew it, followed him. And he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, then came the twelve and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the towns and country round about, and lodge, and get victuals, for we are here in a desert place. But he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. For they were about five thousand men. And he said unto his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in a company. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes and break, or sorry, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and brake and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat and were all filled. And there was taken up fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you that we can spend some time looking in your word together and we can see your, your glory on display. We can see um, evidences of the fact that Jesus is indeed God. I just I thank you for um, who you are. I thank you for your greatness. I pray that you will help us to, to be able to, to grasp even a part of, of your greatness, of your holiness, of, of your of your goodness, of the fact that you are all-powerful, holy, just, righteous God. I pray that you will help our view of you to grow. I thank you for the way that you do work and the way that you care and the way that we can trust in you and we can rely on you. I pray that you will please work in our hearts today. Please work in my heart. Please challenge me. Please, please change me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So now go ahead and go back to Mark chapter 6. And we'll start in verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. So if you remember what the context of this is, of, of the report that they're giving to Jesus, uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus sending them out on this, we'll call it a, a mission or a, a missions trip, where he broke them up into groups of twos, and he sent them out and told them what to do, told them what to take. So they had this, this time of going out, preaching the kingdom of God. They had this, this power from God to perform miracles. So they went out and they were ministering for Christ. And then they come back, 
And they're telling Jesus what had happened, what had went on, the different miracles that were performed, what they had said, what they had taught. I would have loved to hear this conversation. Like, wouldn't it just be incredible to hear the disciples giving their report of what had happened, of how God had, had used them, of how they had been able to accomplish, accomplish these different things and just promote the kingdom of God? And uh, I'm sure there was negative stories in there of, of rejection and, and people that doubted and didn't believe. And I would just love to hear these, these stories and how it, how it played out. But this is where we're at here. We have the disciples giving their report to Jesus. I imagine them being tired from all that they had been doing. Uh, emotionally drained, physically drained, uh, walking around everywhere. Uh, I just imagine that they needed some rest. And Jesus, being aware of this, uh, verse 31, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. So they're pretty busy here. People are, are coming in and out. The, the fame of, of Jesus is growing. Their, their fame, I guess, if you will, is growing. People are starting to recognize that they're from Christ and, and they have these, these gifts and these abilities from God. So the people are just starting to come to them, asking stuff, needing stuff, trying to get stuff. And the disciples, the apostles, are so busy that they can't even find time to eat. So Jesus tells them, go away to, to a desert place, to a private place where you can get some rest. You need some rest. You need to eat some food. Um... They, they needed a time to rest, to recover. And Jesus says, go into a desert place. And that's, that's interesting that, that we'll see. We see that in verse number 32 where Jesus tells them, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately. So Jesus tells them to go into this desert place. This desert place would be speaking of, of isolation, of solitary, just a place that was uninhabited. And that's where we're going to find this, this miracle taking place is, is they go up away from town to a place where there's not a lot of cities around to try to get some rest. So, so picture this. Don't think that they're just stuck in the middle of a, of a dry, dusty, dirty desert with you know, nothing to protect them or shelter them or anything like that. They're just going to a secluded place. And we'll see that there's actually some grass there for people to sit on. So... I want you to recognize it's a place where they can get some rest. The first time you read Desert Place, you might think of them, I think of them stuck out in Lancaster where I went to college. Just horrible place with tumbleweeds and Joshua trees and just rough. Winds always blowing. Uh, but Jesus is just telling them to go separate from the people to have a place to rest, to get away from the crowds. And it's interesting to me because they're going to obey. They're going to go where they're supposed to go but they end up in one of the largest recorded crowds that Jesus ever ministered to. So Jesus tells them to go away and get some rest, and they, they do that, and the masses are, are still coming. And to me, it's just interesting how that works out. Uh, they will get to eat, though, right? Everybody gets fed on this one, so they will get time to eat there. Verse 32, we'll look at that again. And they departed into a desert place by ship, privately. So they head into this ship. They sail across the Sea of Galilee into a desert place near Bethsaida. 
they probably did get a little break from the people on the boat ride, so it's not a long boat ride, but they probably did get a little bit of rest, a little reprieve. So I, I want you to picture this in your mind. Hopefully your mind is already picturing this, this playing out. Uh, but we have Jesus and the disciples trying to get away from the people. They're in this, in this boat, in this ship, trying to, to sail over to this place away from people. They get into the boat, then verse 33, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him. So people recognized Jesus and, and his disciples there. And they ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto them. So are you picturing this? Jesus and the disciples in this ship trying to sail to this private place, and people recognize them getting in the boat, and they apparently have a good idea where they're headed or they can see them from the shore, and they're just like running around the bank here. And as they go into every city, people, more people come out. So you have this massive crowd of people running to meet Jesus, to catch up to him on the other side. They're trying to get a break. People aren't going to let that happen. So we have this huge crowd of people gathering. Anybody picture this in your mind, just like people running all crazily through these towns and villages, and, and the crowds growing, trying to get to Jesus? People are chasing the boat. Now me, I wonder what the disciples are thinking at this point. Because they think they're going to get a break. And then they see thousands of people starting to gather and chase them. I just wonder, are they like, oh man, you know, I just want a nap. I just want a little break here. John chapter 6, verse number 2, tells us why the people were following So this is John's account of this event. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. So we have a little insight here onto why people are following them. Because they had seen Jesus do miracles. They knew what Jesus could do. This is part of the messed up motives that I'm talking about. People looking for what Jesus could do or just wanting to see the show. Maybe there was even people who were hoping to be healed that were following here. Some of them were perhaps looking for Jesus to be their political deliverer. And we'll see that at the, at the end of the message here, and, and we'll look at that in John 6, 14 and 15. But what I want us to think about is Jesus would have known their motives. Jesus knew everything about them. So he sees this crowd running. He knows that they want to see the miracles. He, he knows that eventually they're going to turn from him and they're going to run from him. But Jesus still went on with the whole thing. Which is, I mean, we understand God is caring and compassionate. But Jesus still went on loving them and helping them, knowing exactly how they would treat him down the road. And for me, it's just, I'm thankful that, that God is kind and that he is caring in that way. Because I know there's times in my life when I do things for the, the wrong motives. or You understand what I'm saying. I don't think I need to elaborate on that a whole lot. But, but we have a God that is loving and caring. Can you picture the people chasing the boat, the crowd growing in every town that they would run to, until you have this massive crowd waiting to see what Jesus would do next. So we know why they're chasing. I picture them getting in front of the boat, waiting at the shore where Jesus pulls up. 
in the boat. So they pull up in the boat. This huge crowd waiting for them. Jesus walks out of the boat and he doesn't send the people away. Which that would be what I would want to do. Can you guys give me a little break here? I just want to nap. I just want some rest. My disciples need some rest. Why don't you guys go away? Come back tomorrow. But he doesn't send the people away. He doesn't get back in the boat and sail somewhere else. I mean, could you picture that? Hey, let's get back. Let's try to sail like farther away at a straight diagonal to the opposite end here. Let's get away from these people. That doesn't happen. His response is, verse 34, And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So Jesus was moved with compassion. And this is such a, a powerful phrase. And it, it gives us this picture of Jesus on his insides. The, the deepest root of emotions was moved with, with compassion. He felt care. He felt concern for these people. We have the almighty creator God being moved with compassion. Caring about these people who would reject Him, who would, who would mock Him, who, who would leave Him. We have Jesus being moved with compassion on them. Jesus was deeply moved. And I don't even think that's a good enough explanation that I can explain to you of the impact that these people had on Jesus, of the concern that He had for these people. And we can see greater pictures of His care and concern when we see Him going to the cross and operating in obedience to the Father and bringing glory to the Father. We also see Jesus saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We see this compassion and this love of Jesus for these people. Jesus is going to have compassion on these people. These people were spiritually lost. The, the verbiage is, as sheep not having a shepherd. And we know the people leading them were, were leading them astray and were not pointing to Christ. They, they were pointing to the law and to, to other things that Christ came to redeem people from. The law pointed that they had a need, but Jesus came to free them from the curse of the law. So He sees all these wandering people with questions, with concerns, just wandering, steeped in their, their traditions and, and trusting in things other than the true Messiah. And Jesus is moved with compassion when He sees them wandering in darkness. And it says He began to teach them many things. Luke 9 tells us that He spake unto them of the kingdom of God. Jesus is trying to explain them and teach them and help them with their spiritual need here. Their greatest need was spiritual. Their greatest need was not physical. And Jesus is trying to make this known to them. We see a compassionate God trying to help people with their greatest need. They struggled to grasp what their greatest need actually was. And it's the thought there is, is thinking of Solomon. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. Because we can fast forward a couple thousand years down the road and we still see people 
struggling to grasp what their greatest need actually is. And we look at a world that's searching for all these things and trusting in all these things, but missing the fact that Jesus is what they truly need. Uh, that their, their need is, is spiritual, their greatest need is spiritual. We see people today trying to fix every physical problem that they have, but ignoring their greatest need. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse number 14. So we see Jesus being moved with, with compassion on these people. They were as, as sheep having no shepherd. He, he was teaching them. He was trying to help them to explain things to him. So he had compassion toward them. He taught them, but he also was healing them. He was meeting physical needs as well as the spiritual needs. So we keep going in the story. Verse number 35 of Mark. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. And now the time is far past. So it's been a long day full of teaching, a long day full of healing. The day that the disciples had started out, tired and hungry, continues to be long. And they continue to be tired. Matthew tells us that it was evening, was the, the time of this, when they say the day was far spent. The disciples come to Jesus and they remind him what time it is and where they're at. So they say, hey, Jesus, it's, it's getting kind of late here. We're out in this, this place of isolation. We can't just run down and grab a quick bite to eat. You know, we can't do stuff quick. People need to go. People need to get out of here. They need time to go back to the villages and to the towns so that they can eat. Darkness is coming. The day is ending. These people need some food. And Jesus, Jesus would have known this. Jesus wouldn't have been blind to what time of day it was and, and that it was getting late. Verse 36, his disciples say, Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So let's send the people away uh, so they have time to get some food. It's a, I think it's a pretty reasonable concern that the disciples had for, hey, these people need to eat. We can't stay here all night. He says, they have brought nothing to eat. That thought has surprised me a little bit every time that I've studied this and, and read this passage. They're going somewhere that they're not sure where they're going as far as the people chasing Jesus. They don't know how long they're going to be gone, and they don't, like, pack a lunch or, or grab a snack. They just, they just go, and they're going after Jesus. But on the other side of that, they didn't want to miss this opportunity to see what Jesus was going to do. So, man, we'll figure out food later. Let's, let's, let's just go. Or maybe they were just hoping God would perform a miracle and give them some food. I don't know what their motives were. It's just always interesting to me to see these people just running after Jesus with no, with no food, not sure when they're coming back home. But look how Jesus responds. He answered and said unto them, Give ye 
them to eat. So you guys give them some food. You, they need food. Don't send them away. Give them some food. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? So Jesus tells them to take care of it. They say, we don't have anything. Should we go buy them food? The amount of money there, from what I understand, is eight months' wages for one man. So kind of expensive to feed that many people. And that wouldn't even have been enough food to feed all the people. Looking at this, this story, knowing how it plays out and knowing how it happens, they were so focused on the problem that they failed to see the solution. So the apostles are like, there's this huge problem, God. We need to feed them, send them away. You want us to feed them? We don't have enough money. We don't have the resources. This problem is huge. How are we going to solve it? The problem was in front of their face, and they couldn't get past it to see Jesus all-powerful God was right there with him, with them. And they have seen him perform miracle after miracle. They know he's all-powerful. They know he has the power to provide for these people. So instead of them saying, well, Jesus, help us out here, we have them saying, well, should we just spend all this money? Should we, we don't have any food. What are we going to do? They have this short-sighted, small view of God, which plagues so many people today. We limit God to our problems. Somehow our problems can get in front of God, and they can be bigger than Creator God. Some, I mean, it sounds almost funny to say out loud, but that's reality. That's the view that we often have with so many difficulties in our lives, where our God is, in our minds, is too small to take this, to figure out this problem. So we start scrambling, how can we figure this out instead of going to God first and seeing what He has for us and how He can fix it and trusting in Him. So we have the disciples doubtfully looking at each other, wondering how they're going to fix this problem. But Jesus, is, Jesus is, is still there. Jesus is, is standing there. Verse 38, He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. So Jesus says, Go take inventory here. See, see what we have to work with. So they, they go and they come back with five loaves, two fishes. We, we know that. These aren't jumbo, supersized loaves of, of bread. They're small, barley wafers, flat, thin wafers. A, a little boy's lunch, right? So don't try to explain this miracle away by saying, those must have been some huge loaves of bread. Understand this meal as, as what it is. And for God to feed a grown man with this is a miracle, let alone 5,000 men. So verses 39 and 40, Jesus really steps in here. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. See, there's that green grass in this desert place. Uh, and they, set, they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. Can you picture this? This huge multitude of people 
trying to organize them. I mean, trying to keep two children organized is, is a big deal. Four kids keeping organized and in line is, is a huge deal. Right? I think of uh, just simple illustration at basketball practice, sometimes working with the younger kids. You say get in three lines of five so you can run a three-man weave or something. And you have a line of six, you know, a line of four, a line of... I mean, it's hard enough to organize 15 people here, but think of thousands upon thousands of people. I think this is a miracle within the miracle for these people to get organized in these organized groups so that Jesus can then feed them. I wonder what this looked like, honestly. To think of thousands of people on this hillside, like the aerial shot of this finely organized groups of, of 50 and 100 people. So the people are, are set, they're ready, they're organized to receive this food. Somehow they're going to split up five loaves and two fishes between thousands of people. Verse 41, And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divide, divided he among them all. How does this happen? What does this look like? And we don't have the specifics of what it looks like, but I imagine Jesus just keeps breaking the bread, keeps passing it out, keeps breaking the fish, and there's still fish to pass out. And then his disciples distribute it to the people. And it wasn't small portions either. It wasn't like everybody gets a crumb and good luck getting home on that. Verse 42 and they did all eat and were filled. So the multitude of people eat. They're full. The food just kept multiplying. They were completely full. Verse 43, And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. So everybody eats and there's leftovers. So much so that each disciple, each apostle gets their own to-go basket. Remember, they, they went away to get rest and to, to eat. And their whole day in their minds, or maybe in my mind, their whole day gets messed up by having to deal with these people. But at the end of the day, they walk away from here with the whole basket of food and their bellies full. Pretty incredible example here of God working. God meeting the needs of the disciples at the same time. God proving himself to be who he claimed to be. Verse 43, uh, just kidding, verse 44, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. So this gives us an idea of how big the crowd was. Matthew chapter 14, verse 21, tells us that we're also women and children. So there could have easily been 20,000 people there. And that's family of four. I'm guessing there was plenty of families of Six. I mean, just try to wrap your mind around that. John at this point uh, records for us. Let's look at, at John chapter 6, and we're almost done. John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. So the miracle has been performed. 
Jesus is supplying, Jesus is providing. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth that the prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force and make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. So the people start getting this idea, let's make Jesus our king. He did a great job providing this meal for us. He could meet our needs. He could solve our problems. Even within this, he could, he could free us from the Romans. He could be our king. Now, this is not the time or the place or even the ministry that Christ had at that point. His ministry at that point, Luke tells us, was to seek and to save the lost. He was operating in complete obedience to the Father in His ministry. He was preaching the kingdom. He, he, was, he was showing people the way to salvation. His ministry at that time was not to rise up and, and be king and free them from their physical problems. They wanted Jesus to be the king to meet their desires. What they missed was that Jesus was more than an eternal source of free meals. Jesus is the source of, of life, of freedom from the bondage of sin. Jesus is so much more than just meeting our needs or being there when we have a problem or fixing personal issues that we have. Jesus is so much more than that. It wasn't the time for Jesus to rise up as, as, their, as their king at that time. So Jesus gets out of there. Verse 45, back in Mark. And straightway He constrained the disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side uh, before unto Bethsaida while He sent away the people. So Jesus tells them to get out of there. Get in the ship. Get out of there. Uh, and there's uh, a few theories on it. It says to go by Bethsaida there. Um, if you remember, they're in the region of Bethsaida. Uh, one of the theories is that they're sailing by Bethsaida when they go away. Another theory is that there's another place on the other side of the place called Bethsaida, two different towns of Bethsaida. I can't remember the name that's tagged with each Bethsaida, but there's possible theories there for what that is. What, what we see, though, is that Jesus says, get in the ship and sail away from here. So I don't want you to get caught up on two Bethsaidas and all that stuff. I just wanted to give you a reason there for why or how to see the Bethsaidas there. Verse 46, And he, when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. So Jesus sends the disciples away, sends the people away. Then he himself goes into a mountain to pray. And he's going to spend some time speaking with his father there. And we'll pick up from, from the story here next week and, and consider on with, with the details of what are going on here. But I wonder how this could impact or would impact the disciples in the future. Because we have Jesus, we have Jesus training them and teaching them and showing them thing, things as well as working with other people and teaching other people things. But the disciples knew this bumpy road was coming for them. They knew they were going to be rejected. They knew that there was going to be persecution. But they could look back to this time and they could see the faithfulness 
of Jesus. They could see the faithfulness of God. They were learning to trust Him as they were going on. They see His power. They see His provision. They see evidence that He is who He claims to be. And I would imagine that would be so important for them because they're going to give their lives literally for Jesus, to Jesus. So I'd imagine this, as they could look back on it, would be so encouraging for them. Um, I also considered that Jesus is so much more than a source for all of our desires. And we can see that as, as we see the different motives from the people following him. Yes, he, he took care of them. Yes, he would meet their needs. But his main purpose wasn't to meet their desires and to be that magic lamp for them to rub when they needed something. That's such a wrong view of God. Only go to Him when, when we need Him for something. Or only think He's good when He responds the way that we think that He should. And people can have a pretty messed up point of view of God. The fact is, Jesus is God, and Jesus should be respected and worshipped for who He is. And God should be reverenced, and He should be respected, and He should be worshipped for who He is, completely holy and completely righteous. Regardless of our, of our current situations and things that we're facing, just because we don't like them doesn't mean that God is not worthy of worship and honor. Because He is holy and He's righteous no matter what is going on in our lives. Jesus is God and He should be respected and worshipped for who He is. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank You uh, for this time that we can have together. I thank You um, that we can look back at this uh, account and the way that, that You worked and the way that You revealed your, Yourself and Your power to people. I just pray that You'll work in our hearts and our lives. I pray that You will help us to reverence and to respect You uh, and just be in awe of Your holiness. Uh, you're so much greater than we can imagine. I pray that you will work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together if you would. Let's just spend some time in, in prayer. Uh, whatever.